Hello, Marvelites! We're listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale June 14, 2023. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for Morph. Morph! Is that a good uh, X-Men 90s Wolverine screaming for his, his bestie Morph? I thought that was just a clip that was playing. Yeah. I thought you just had it I, playing in the background. I was like, wow, good timing. I am here to play Wolverine in whatever production we need, as long as I just have to scream, Morph! Anyway, let's keep this rolling, because this is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics. We're going to tell you about every single comic out this week, all 22 of them, and more. We'll give you our three personal picks. We'll tell you why you got to check out those. Please read those, buy those, get those. Shout out to Jace Lacob, uh, who uh, tweeted at us after last week's episode and was like, you guys were right, Immortal X-Men, boom. But we're also going to tell you about every other issue coming out this week. We'll pick a favorite non-spoilery reason for you to check out each issue, giving it an award, which will be named after a quote pulled from one of this week's releases. Plus, we'll tell you about the new Infinity Comics hitting Marvel Unlimited, some highlights from issues new to MU this week, picks for collections, so much more. On top of that, we would have a new Reading Club guest, but it is a big week and we wanted to re-celebrate something. So what do we got this week, Jasmine? Yeah, so we're going to actually re-air a reading club from about a year ago, actually, uh, with Carla Pacheco and Pere Perez. We love their Spider-Woman run from last year. And so like we, we decided to like revisit this conversation because it just felt a little timely. Um, so we're going to be talking to them, too, about uh, Marvel team-up Spider-Man. Uh, but more importantly, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, and Spider-Rex, a uh, character that they created um, the three genders, if you know, if you're following. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're, we'll be doing that. So if you missed it the first time, come back. Join us as we talk yes. to two of our faves. Um, and if you've already listened to it, listen to it again because it's just wild. The two of them are truly unhinged. I, yes. In the best ways possible. We adore them. But that's later on in the show. Right now, let's get into our picks of the week, starting with. Sadly, Captain Marvel number 50, this is the end of the run by writer Kelly Thompson, but it wraps up one of our favorites. I mean, it's four years, four plus years of Captain Marvel and Kelly absolutely crushed it. This issue, Captain Marvel number 50, is written by Kelly Thompson, art by Javier Pina, and David Lopez, one of my favorites. I love David so much. Colors by Yen Nitro, lettering and production by BC's Clayton Cowles. This issue just opens on Carol and her grief. Look, we just wrapped up a giant, big super story with Carol teaming up with the X-Men and some of her besties fighting the brood, but it was a big one. There were losses physical, emotional, spiritual losses, and you are feeling the effects in this. And I don't know, maybe it's just me thinking about it. I didn't talk to Kelly about it specifically, but felt like this was also a little bit of grief about the loss of of this book and this character, this run, sort of like saying goodbye to things, because I know she's connects so deeply with the work that she does. And that's part of the reason why we do as well. So Kelly, one of the absolute best, we see it in here, Carol needing to, uh, at one point, just punch something to get past some of the grief. So her sister shows up and they get this great big hug moment. And then they get sent off to a place to uh, uh, 
enact some violence and her sister Lori, who is uh, this Cree warrior, total badass, uh, says, I think it will be a large amount of violence. And they go and get involved in a giant war to try to help some people. Um, it's really wonderful there. And then while Carol's doing that, her other friends are putting together a, just like a party for her, like a, a loving, wonderful get together of all our friends, which is a wonderful way to bring a ton of characters back into the run. One thing we've talked about a ton of times when we've been talking about this book is how great Kelly writes Carol's relationships, her friendships. And that is just in full force throughout all of this. You've got a ton of wonderful returns and, and surprise appearances and little cameos. you got a great moment with Kamala Khan. It just broke her heart. Uh, Jeff the Landshark shows up, which is Kelly just being like, before I go, here's a little bit of Jeff. Boom. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the next generation of heroes, which I really like. And then we, we shift over from the party to a side adventure where Spider-Woman is like, look, Carol, you you need someone to talk to. You need to work some things out. So we shift over to another scene with Doctor Strange, the bar with no doors, and it's all drawn by David Lopez. And it made me so warm and fuzzy to see David doing more Captain Marvel. So beautiful. He did early Captain Marvel stuff with uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, and he's come back here and there. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. We get to see Wanda show up. And uh, this is not a giant game changer for Carol Danvers. This is not a giant like punch fest. This is not a, you know, a big anniversary issue. This is a really lovely finale with lots of character moments, hugging, um, sort of warm, fuzzy, somber, sad, melancholy, extremely funny, beautiful way to end a run. And I will miss this book terribly. Me. Two. All right. Next up is my first pick of the week, Marvel's Voices, Pride issue number one. Uh, there's a hundred credits that I could give right now. So I'm going <laughs> to not do that and just dive right into the story. Um, the credits should be on marvel.com. It'll be in our show notes. I will also list some of them as we go. Uh, but this book, it's a $10 book. It's square bound. It's a little bit more pricier, but you're getting so many stories. But like some of these stories get like a full like... Mm. They get like double digit page numbers, like which is something yeah. that when we get an anthology like this, we don't typically see. We usually see a lot of like one page, two page stories. And like we get like at least three like massive stories. Um, we get three new character introductions, which is awesome. Like I, I'm, I'm very excited to see where these characters go um, in the future. But like to like start things up, like the first story is a continuation. If you've been reading Love Unlimited over on Marvel Unlimited – uh, you are you might be familiar with Gwen Poole's current story as the ace icon of the Marvel Universe. Um, and it, like she is front and center in this issue. She has recently come out as asexual in, in the Infinity Comics, which is awesome. I love seeing everybody tweeting the, the panels from that comic and like just really, really, you know, identifying and seeing themselves in that book. Um, but in this issue, we get a little bit more and like she is she kind of serves as this introduction to this like pride collection. And uh, we get a little bit more about her story and where, you know, how she's dealing and growing with her identity and the responsibility that comes with because she is a meta character and she's, she's fully aware that she represents like a group of people, um, which I thought was really fascinating. And, and that story is written by Marika Nijkamp, who I like have been a big fan of lately. Like I've been following their stories on Marvel Unlimited and like have really enjoyed seeing them kind of flourish and write more for us. 
But then we also get a story uh, by Stephanie Williams that follows that one, which we kind of talked a little bit about last week with Stephanie. Uh, But it is the debut of the new Nightshade. I highly recommend you listen to last week's episode in our interview with Stephanie to get more context Mm -hmm. on the book. Um, We also get a story that features Web Weaver, which I really enjoyed. It's also like exploring this like intersection of like queer spaces and like Jewish culture, which I thought was really cool. Like he essentially gets confronted with all of this because he goes on a date with someone else who also is queer and Jewish. But the the thing that I loved about this is like they both are Jewish, but they've experienced their like religion in different ways. Like they Mm -hmm. haven't, you know, I believe Web Weaver hasn't actually ever celebrated Purim. Like this is all new to him. And I, I love that because we can't have every character be a monolith for every single type of experience. Exactly. It's a great freaking story, and um, Web Weaver looks so good in this book. Why don't all people wear like deep V-necks like him? <laughs> I'm gonna start trying a deep V-neck shirt. Please don't. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have probably my favorite story in this book, which is a Wicked and Hulkling story. And as much as it it, it is a, a Wicked and Hulkling story, it is also a story of this new character named uh, Lacey Lorraine, who is a trans woman, and we learn this like insane history about this character and how they've been around for so long and like the adventures that they have gone on and how their identity kind of like shaped where they've gone and their story like and I thought it was so well done and so beautiful Mm -hmm. I there were so many parts about the story that I was just like in love with and I need to see more of this character like absolutely need to see more of this character I like that she's just like hanging out too. Yeah, she's just like she's living listening her to life. Muna, and Muna gets a shout out. If you're not familiar with Muna, they're a queer band, an all women queer band. Go listen to them. Um, but I love that they get a shout out here. It's just I I love this issue. I love this story. There's so many other stories. There's a black cat story. There's another character that gets introduced named Muzzle um, in the story called No Trespassing, uh, Beware of Dog by H. E. Edgman, and we get introduced to this like symbiote type character, but there's a lot of mystery around this character because they're almost like a hybrid human symbiote and the things that they can do with their symbiotic tongue. And I guess is, I I like that. One of the things about this whole book is it sets up the potential for things. It's not like you, you need to read this issue and then go off and read X, Y, Z. You you could read only this and get, get full complete stories. Yeah. Steve Fox has a story in here where we get a story about gimmick and we get to see her almost like rebrand herself or not rebrand herself, but like really like take ownership of who she is. And like, she gets a new costume in this issue, which is so dope. I'm so excited to see her. And it literally leads right into dark X-Men issue number one. And there's just a bunch of good stuff going on in this book. And then last but not least, I, there is another character that I think is very important to the Marvel universe that I think will go a long way. It is, a character in a story called Jumbo Carnation's Ultimate Creations, which if you listen to our conversation with Stephen Byrne, he kind of mentioned it. He teased it a little bit. Um, it is a, a story where Jumbo Carnation creates uh, Hellfire Gala outfits for Vivision, America Chavez, and North Star. But more importantly, his assistant is named Mr. Cluck. Yes. Mr. Cluck probably such a sensation from appearing last year in the Loki story in Pride <gasps> as one. Yes. as I one did not of, even catch that. Yep. One of Loki's exes 
if you go back, I was like, I've seen Mr. Cluck before. I've seen Mr. Oh Cluck God. before. And I had to like rack my brain. And then I figured it out. Mr. Cluck. If Mr. Cluck is not in every Marvel's Voices Pride issue going forward, I will riot. Why stop there? Give us uh, more Mr. Cluck. Mr. Cluck Infinity Comics. Mr. Yes. Cluck Animated Series. Mr. Had Avengers. Get in there. Everything. Everything. He's a little um, talking chicken that wears. Oh, yeah. A, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> where, that wears a rainbow shirt. And it just. Rainbow tremendous. tank top. Okay. Yeah. Rain, rainbow tank. Thank you. Um, this is this. Pride was so good. Big, big recommendation for Marvel's Voices Pride. And I'm also giving a giant big recommendation to Doctor Strange number four. This was actually the first book that I just threw down and said, well, this is one of my picks of the week. It's so ridiculously good. It's written by Jed McKay, guest art by Andy McDonald, colors by KG Diaz, and lettering by BC's Corey Pettit. This is a backdoor pilot for an Agents of Wand book. And I am so into it. Agents of Wand uh, are basically super uh, super agents for magic. So shield for magic. If you were gonna like, you know, sort of boil it down to its most basic. They used to be a part of Shield. They're not because Shield isn't a thing. They're on their own. There's only three of them. So it's Wong, Pandora Peters, who headed up Wand previously, and Doctor Z. But this is like 98% all about them. And it rules. They go to Kentucky to stop some demons and ghosts at Mineshaft 666. And you get Pandora Peters with a baseball bat covered in nails that are just regular nails. But people believed that they were nails that were used to put Jesus to the cross, even though they weren't. So that belief powered them, which is such a like a... Uh, like a wild theory. So she's using this baseball bat covered in nails to beat up demons. And one of the demons eyes pops out. I love her so much. She's covered in tattoos. I want to see her cosplayed. I want her action figure. I just want her arms. Oh, oh my God. Then you're like, cool. She's the coolest member. But then you remember Wong's also here. And then Wong starts fighting one of the demons. And uh, he's like, I have no trinkets, no weapons. I have my mind, my spirit, my body. I have been trained as Feng Xiangxi. I see in all four directions and I can kill a demon with one punch. Let me show you. And I was just like, flip the table. Here we go. I love Wong. I love the way Jed writes Wong. So badass. Then you've got the weird, wacky Dr. Z coming here who's like bonkers. He's telling his way of getting involved in this is to tell the ghost miners to unionize. So good. I will not tell you the payoff to that, but I was like, this is the first four pages of the book, mind you. Yeah. I'm losing it. This book is so good. Then you get Andy McDonald, big shouts to him uh, for coming in to do the guest art on this very different vibe than Daniel Cunha, but it's super duper works here. It's it's light and fun, actiony, very pulpy. The agents of Wand are following up on a whole bunch of big things that are going on. Big magical people start to disappear and things are going on. So that ties into the the larger overall narrative that Jed has been building these last couple of issues. Who is killing these big, bad, magical people? And so we're getting into that. I please, please hope that we get a book, uh, a wand book in this vein for more. But we still also have this great cliffhanger that this issue ends on setting us back into the bigger story with the with Stephen and Clea. Uh, look, I cannot say enough about this. If you have not been reading the first three issues, Pick this one up. It'll sell you on it immediately. I promise. All right. Those are our three most pickiest picks. 
But again, we could pick more. We will tell you about more of those in a bit. But it's time for our award and community section. Jasmine, what was last week's award? Last week, we were giving out the Love in the Form of a Tornado Award. And it was in issue number 12 of Daredevil, which we adored and you should be reading. Yes. Um, And thankfully, while no one won last week's quote of the week, we did have early winners this week. Uh, First was Paul Warren, who uh, said, found it in my first read of the week. And also now that school where I teach is done for the summer, my 34 inch monitor is going vertical as a dedicated (sighs) comic reader for the next couple months. That rules. All right. But. We still need to get on to the rest of our fabulous fresh floppies this week. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, we need to talk about the award name for today. We narrowed it down to one, which is hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw. Yeah, it's a really good one. I we'll talk a little bit more about it next week when we reveal what it's from. But if you find this quote, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pull list at Marvel.com. If you're the first Ryan, which is me, we'll reach out and get you a recent digital comic of your choice. Please mark your messages as okay to read pull list so we can read them here on the show. And if you have a local comic shop, please give us their name and location so we can give them a shout out as well. Yes. But if you're not the first, you still have a shot at winning. Uh, we teamed up with Marvel Insider to score some Marvel Insider points just for listening to the podcast. So after you're done listening to this episode, make sure to go to marvel.com slash insider and look for the Marvel pull list quote of the week activity. There you'll be asked to identify the quote of the week uh, from four different choices. Choose correctly and you'll be awarded 500 Marvel Insider points. Pretty easy. Yeah. Once again, that quote of the week, the award name is hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw. I'll be giving that out, starting with Amazing Spider-Man number 27. Uh, This one, look, I know there's been a lot going on with Amazing Spider-Man. You've got very broody Peter Parker in this, still reeling from everything that's going on. But it is it is a little bit of a change of pace. It is more of a Doc Ock focused issue with Spider-Man and stuff. But hands down. I am giving the hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award to Ed McGinnis. I, I don't know how Ed has somehow just continued to like get better and better and more interesting in what he does and his choices, his, his expressions, his faces, his paneling, his figure work. He's at what? So I remember he, I first saw him with Deadpool in like 1997. So now we are 26 years removed from that. And it's, He's he looked better than he's ever looked. His art is incredible. God, I love Ed McGinnis. Same. All right. Next up, we have a new number one, Black Panther, issue number one, written by Eve L. Ewing with pencils by Chris Allen. And as you get to the end of this, you'll see a letter from Eve Ewing who spells it out. They wanted to come to a Black Panther book and do the thing that like they've always wanted to see, which is more of Wakanda. Like really getting to see the street level of Wakanda, seeing more than just a palace and like, you know, a Black Panther that doesn't just, you know, reign over the kingdom, but reigns over the entirety of the land. And we see that here at a, like a very base level. Like he's, he's all the way in Berenchaka and we see him kind of following this new character that we're introduced to here. And it's kind of like this mystery. Uh, we don't quite know why. And when you get there, there's a great payoff. You learn a lot more about what's going on with Black Panther and T'Challa and being like exiled from Wakanda. I'm going to go ahead and give my hard to win a chess game with the chainsaw award to, I could give it to Eve, but 
I'm going to give it to this variant cover by Steve Root and Chris O'Halloran because it is gorgeous. And it gives me like old school jungle action vibes from the 1970s. And he captures the stuff that like Billy Graham was doing at that time. So the Steve's signature, Steve, the dude, Rude, so good, so underrated, wish he had done more work. His signature is signed 89 next to it. And I'm wondering if this is a classic piece because Steve has always looked this good and it's just colored recently by Chris O'Halloran, who's a great colorist. I don't, I don't know. I I would, we should ask the, the, the team if, if that's the case, because I looked at, I was like, Oh, did they just find this amazing piece of Steve rude art from 30, almost 35 years ago. And just like, yes, here it should be because I'm so happy when we get to see stuff like that. Black Panther could have been one of my picks of the week. Um, it was a hell of a book. On to Captain America Cold War Omega number one. Uh, if you're a Bucky fan, he got played. Bucky got played, but also Bucky's playing people. We get a lot of Bucky stuff in here. We get shout outs to Friday Night Lights. So shout out to my boy, Scott Porter and everybody else. Uh, I will give my hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award to this beautiful splash page of Sharon Carter. When she find, when she adopts her new moniker and full vibe, she like comes into her own. Yeah, Carlos Magno makes her look like such a badass. All right, next up is Carnage issue number fourteen, um, and in it we get to see like I, I feel like we're like really ramping up towards the end of this. Like there's a lot of big moves happening, and in this issue we get to see Red Goblin teaming up with Miles, which I really enjoy seeing, but also like get to experiment with his powers a little bit. We're learning how his powers work, how they differ from some of the other symbiotes. And I just love seeing this little kid trying to, you know, help out as best as he can, because not only is he doing this to save New York City, but also because he's living under the legacy of his grandfather and father, uh, both evil, evil men. So for that, I'm going to give Normie Osborne my hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award on to clapper and time number four look you know me you know this book i could have picked it it was so good it's it's wild it's nuts you get ben and dr doom stuck in like this null space dealing with stuff i <laughs> i will give my hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award to thing and doom and their interactions around food in this issue. <laughs> I will say no more other than it results in a new battle cry for Ben Grimm and it had some really great just total jerk face moves by Doom. It was wonderful. It's classic Doom. All right, next up we have Cosmic Ghost Rider issue number 4 and I really enjoyed this issue. One because it like answers a lot of questions. I'm going to go ahead and give my award to Stephanie Phillips who I've really gotten into a lot recently and yeah. The mystery that's kind of revealed here, essentially being why there's two cosmic ghost writers right now, is really fascinating. And I'm in by the end of this book, I was like, whoa, it's giving me like Pixar's like inside out vibes, which I love for this in particular. On to Extreme Veniverse number three. Guess what? I could have picked this one. I was really close to it because this has three rad stories in it uh plus a it has a two-page spread of parodies of newspaper comics by ty templeton so like family circus and and that kind of stuff uh really really great there but you get a black fang story which is a early human who gets a symbiote and the way that writer jen mckay sort of portrays that relationship between 
the human and the symbiote, they call each other like beloved and my love. And it's just like this cool way. It's it's a really interesting thing. There's talk about greatness and catastrophe. But then I'm going to give my hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award to the middle story by Taryn Killam and Rod Reese. Sweet boys. I love them. Uh, it's an old West story featuring Web Slinger. And he goes to, uh, you know, kind of a brothel spot. Uh, he's saved by some some ladies. But it's a really fun story. It reminded me of Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, and we meet the new Venom in that story. And she's freaking great. So cool. I loved it. It was really, really good. Um, so, yeah, could have been a pick. Heck, yeah. All right. Next up is Moon Knight issue number 24. And this book opens up with a dream. And... Did it get me? Yes, it got me. Because as soon as I opened it up, I was like, oh, like we're at a cookout. And then all of a sudden, like you see Mark Spector cooking at at a grill and you're like, who are these women? Oh, that's Marlene. And that's his daughter. Oh, okay. And then they're talking about Jean-Paul, a.k.a. Frenchie. And then all of a sudden Frenchie's in there. And then before I know (laughs) it, like we're starting to see like Mark Spector's parents come in. And I'm just like, wait, no, something's wrong here. Like at the same moment that Mark Spector is also like, Oh, wait, no, something's wrong here. And I dug the way that Jed McKay really, like, one, pulled this off. But two, it's like, if you're a fan of this character, you get excited seeing some of these, like, deep cut characters return. Because we haven't really seen them. And I think Jed is very aware that people are hungry for some of these old characters to return. And to use them in the way that he did here, I was like, damn you, Jed. But also, like, the as the story continues and moves forward and we see how, how and why this dream is happening and we get to see a, an old villain return, but like the mm-hmm. way Jed uses him is terrifying. Yeah. Um, and for that, I got to give Jed my hard to win a chess game using a chainsaw award. A lot of good Jed this week, but you know, whatever Jed's writing, it's a good week. Mm-hmm. All right. On to planet of the apes. Number three. Uh, this is, there's an opening to this issue has a pundit talking about like what to do about the pandemic and it's scary and it feels like a degree off from our reality. Cause in this planet of the apes reality, it's this like simian flu, but man, it, oof, this is a very tension building issue, but I will give my hard to win a chess game with the chainsaw award to the fact that they got in damn dirty apes. They got the line in the book. I was so delighted. Up next, we have Rogue and Gambit, issue number four. And this is a Rogue versus Gambit story, but it's not quite what you would expect. There's some things going on here. Um, But I love the arguments that they have as they're like, you know, throwing punches, as they're exchanging punches, because they are working out like these, they're having a conversation that they need to have. Like they're essentially having an argument here, but it's in the middle of a fight. And it is like very much like a type of argument that you would see in couples who have been together for a long time. But I'm going to go ahead and give my... I would give it to Stephanie Phillips again, but I already did that. I'm going to give it to the final page of this book because essentially something is happening to Rogue and it is the equivalent of someone picking a main character in a video game that is OP and then just like multiplying it by a thousand by using their powers in the one way that like you know you're going to win. And it's like unfair, but... Mm -hmm. That's Gambit's problem, so. <laughs> exactly. Uh, on to Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones number four. I'm going to give my hard-to-win-a-chess-game-with-a-chainsaw award to the tragic backstory for the big bad, 
who really get into why they're doing what they're doing, what they're doing. And um, yeah, it's how it's tied to Spider Gwen or Ghost Spider, I should say. So it's intense. Yeah. All right. Next up is Spider-Man India issue number one. It's another debut issue. And if you're hungry for more Spider-Man India stories, which I am, this is a book for you. This is exploring, you know, Spider-Man India is kind of like place in all of this. Like, I love that this story opened up with uh, both Peter Parker from 616 and Miles Morales and like having a conversation with Pav here, uh, who is Spider-Man India, and really just kind of like trying to figure out who he is and how he fits into this like pantheon of spider people. But I'm going to go ahead and give my hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award to Spider-Man India, their, his universe is Mysterio, who I thought was a really cool design um, and a very like well done take on the character. Oh yeah. On to our two Star Wars books for the week. We've got Star Wars, Darth Vader, number 35. So Man, good. this book is so good. So good. This could have been a pick for me. I know, right? I was thinking about that one, too. Um, we got Dr. Afro showing up here, which, you know, they have a lot of history. So it like ties into all that. And also Vader is literally not in control of his force powers. So we've got that. And so there's a little bit of like, ooh, what's going to happen now? Um, but I will give my hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award to Ochi. Um, Ochi of Vestoon, who is mostly comedic relief like he started out and he was really cool he's like this this lackey slash bounty hunter slash dude that that vader hires but here he's like throwing jokes he's being glib he's uh sort of constantly shrugging in the face of potential death in all the best ways and there's this great page that starts with a long panel of him falling down a hole bouncing the whole way down like boof 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 like a ping pong and it was uh, or, or like a, a pinball it was so good and then like he goes through all this gnarly stuff and gets poisoned but like he remains so fun and you got that light that lightness that he brings on top of all the other wild dark stuff that's happening with vader it is tremendous also vader gets a shield in this issue and it rules uh, okay, next up we have Star Wars Sana Staros, issue number five, which is the last issue of this mini. Um, and I hope it's not the, the final time we see Sana Staros because this book ruled. I absolutely loved it. And I don't want to give away too much, uh, but essentially everything is happening at the same time, right? Like we have this birth that Sana's sister is going through. We have this escape that all of uh, that Sana and her crew and family are on. Um, and essentially like a, a fight between, uh, the two different sides, including, uh, the stormtroopers, And all of this is like encapsulated in this one gorgeous page by Pere Perez, where it's a full page splash, where we see all of these things happening at the same time. And it's kind of like, I mean, in a movie, it would be scored to, you know, a particular sound, but like, because we can't hear it, we see it kind of like, it's like this like loud noise that it's a tactic that Xana uses to divert attention and like really essentially blow the eardrums out off of all these stormtroopers. But it's the way that the, like the lettering is done here is like woven in between all these different scenes to, to showcase how it's just like there. And that all these things are like happening at the same time is just insane and it's just so wonderfully like composed and like i cannot give pere perez enough praises for this page it is awesome and for that he gets my 
hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award. Hell yeah. All right, on to Venom Lethal Protector 2, number four. Look, this is a just a classic retro fun comic with those like old like 90s vibes. You got the Dark Hold in here, Secret Missions, Doom being Doom, uh, Venom sort of teetering between hero and villain. It is a lot of fun. I will give my hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award to um, this half page of art where Doom is talking about his mother and her story. He's explaining this to uh, to Venom about why he's trying to do what he's doing. And it, you've got these three panels that are a mix of stained glass and Art Nouveau vibes and then framed in, in this beautiful gold framing. Uh, it is just beautiful work by Farid Karami and Arif Prianto. I really dug the hell out of that. I want which is them to do that style on more things. Heck yeah. All right, next up is Wolverine issue 34. This absolutely could have been a pick of the week for me. There's so much action that happens in this issue to the point where like, when I got to the end, I was like, oh, there's no more. Like I, I devoured this issue. It's so captivating. And the stuff that this team is doing is just insane. Um, Beast is reminding me a lot more and more of like Hannibal Lecter. And mm-hmm. I can't remember which movie it is where, where he's like having a feast. Like he's having like a dinner where he's like taking a piece of someone's brain and like cooking it on a hot plate and essentially like teasing and taunting the the hero of the story. And that is very much what is happening here with Logan and Beast. I'll let you discover whether or not a, a brain is being cooked on a hot plate here. But it's one of the grossest sequences I've seen in comics. It's, it's so gross. Wild. What's in this issue? Oh, um, I love it. That all said, I'm going to give my hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw award to this entire creative team because the, the way that this creative team is working together, they're in sync. Like they get it. Like the body language, the facial acting that Juan Jose Reed is like doing in this book is just phenomenal. And like the little time and moments that he has that he captures in each panel is just perfect. Yeah. Uh, and guess what? We still have more books to talk about. X-23, Deadly Regenesis, number four. Uh, I'm going to give my hard-to-win-a-chess-game-with-a-chainsaw award to the big bad revealed in this one. It just Everything sort of comes full circle in this issue. Yeah. All right. Next up is excellent issue number four. And there's a sequence in this book where Zeitgeist realizes that he could just make up stories about the other team and like really just wreck them um, instead of just doxing them. And one of the stories involves Kurt Cobain. And I don't want to spoil it because it's probably the funniest joke in this book. But the the panel to like, like that shows a reaction to this lie is so funny. It made me laugh out loud. Um, but it's so appropriate for today. Yeah. All right. Last book of the week is X-Men Red number 12. Uh, shout out to Ryan Gonzalez with just the coolest. So story. good. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it, it's a wonderful thing. Um, this one, obviously X-Men Red focuses mostly on Arako and what's going on there. So we get a couple of different things. We know that, uh, the fall of X is going to see the return of Genesis and apocalypse and, and all that stuff whom we have not seen since, uh, the 10 of swords. So there's a lot going on there. We get a lot of Genesis in this issue and flashbacks and maybe current backs flash nows um and i will just say oh poor Araco. what happens what will happen what could happen i don't know um but i will give my hard to win a chess game with a chainsaw 
to um, the moment where Roberto da Costa, aka Sunspot, calls Rich Rider, aka Nova, a death donut. Yes. He's been dunked in despair and death. Uh, and and you know what? He's not, not wrong. wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. Those are the books. Lots of books. So many books. There's also collections out this week. Lots of great stuff there. Check your local retailer. And new Infinity Comics on the service this week. We've got finale for X-Men Unlimited with the finale of Green. Uh, We've got the finale of the Aaron Fisher, Captain America story in Love Unlimited. Yes. Highly, highly recommend you read that story if you haven't already. Um, We've also got an adaptation of Secret Invasion in Infinity Comics format, which is really neat. And Avengers Unlimited and Cosmo the Space Dog. But also we've got a one shot Marvel's voices, Annika and Io Infinity Comic by Wyatt Kennedy and Sumaye Kezgin. Uh, which is really cool to see that one. I didn't know Wyatt Kennedy was writing for us, but I'm very excited to see his name pop up. He wrote easily one of my favorite graphic novels of the last year, uh, Bolero, uh, which if you haven't read, highly recommend. But like, I just fell in love with his writing and his like weird storytelling. So very excited to see him do some Marvel work here. Sweet. There's also a new series. So the Spider-Verse Unlimited finished last week. And now this week we have Edge of Venomverse Unlimited, which uh, has a new arc. First issue is out by Clay McLeod Chapman and Philip Sevy and Antonis Mosa. It's the beginning of the summer of symbiotes on Marvel Unlimited. So get ready for that. All right. That was a long bit of business for all the books this week. So let's just get into our reading club. This is a, uh, a, a reissue of the reading club we did with Carla Pacheco and Pere Perez about Marvel team-up, Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, and Spider-Rex. All right, Jasmine, get ready to hit that bleep button real hard because our guests (laughs) this week are Carla Pacheco and Pere Perez. Hello, you two wonderful sweeties. Hello. We'll get get the first Carla cackle out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Patent pending. Yes. Uh, Carla, you've been on the show a couple times before, but Pere, welcome aboard. We're very excited to have you. We've talked effusively about you, uh, both with Carla and on our own. So Mm -hmm. thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. (laughs) For the audience at home, where are each of you calling us from? I'm calling from the Slippery Pig, uh, which (laughs) is the the boat that I live on uh, up in the Pacific Northwest. So because I'm a total professional when it comes to podcasts, I'm, uh, you know, sitting on the deck of the boat. So uh, just like a few minutes ago, there were a bunch of seagulls all fighting over an entire pizza that apparently someone had <laughs> tossed overboard. So we, we might get some fun background noises like that. Uh, Love it. I'm calling from Barcelona. All my neighbors are on vacation. I'm alone at home <laughs> and I'm in my underwear. So it's way more boring than, than Carla's location. Until the seagulls show up. <laughs> Better, we haven't had you on the show yet. I know, Carla, we've gotten your story, how you got into comics. Petty, I want to know how you got into comics and then how you ended up at Marvel. It's a long, boring story. But the short version is I wanted to be a um, physical education teacher. Mm-hmm when I was younger, and I had an, an injury on my foot. So I realized I couldn't pass the test required. And also, I had surgery on my on, on that foot, which made me stay 
at home and being bored. So I started reading comics again and started drawing. And I realized that I enjoyed that more than the other thing. So I went that way. And since I was 14, I've, I've never stopped. From talking to Carla before about Spider-Woman, I know that like you've incorporated some of that physical activity into your artwork. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Well, I study Kung Fu and some other martial arts. And for a guy that, like me that's sitting at home all day, it's pretty much useless. So all that knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only to keep me healthy. But I, it's pretty rare that I get into a fight. I was really proud of how we incorporated New York into the series, like with the fight scenes and everything. I, I know for 13, I, I literally sent you a map to show like, okay, this is where Spider-Woman's apartment is. This is the train that she is going to be on uh, when they're having the subway fight. This is where she gets, like, they've run through these blocks to get to the ferry from there. Then they're on the ferry over to uh, Jersey. And then, like, they're dry. This is the route to Newark from there that the monster truck will take. <laughs> and then they crash the monster truck into the airport. And it was it was awesome because you did such a great job of finding all of the reference shots. But it just it, like to me, it's like I, I love when we can kind of pinpoint that type of stuff, even though I did make you draw a horse being thrown <laughs> at someone in that issue. If, if you make me laugh when I'm reading the script, uh, I mean, for anything, no matter how difficult it is, I mean. Okay. I have to ask, though, because, like, there are some ridiculous things that happened in the Spider-Woman run. Yeah. Oh, a and few. Yeah, I, I guess. I know. I mean, and I love it. I'm obsessed. Um, but <laughs> was there ever a moment where Carla sent you something? You're like, there's no way. There's no way I can draw this. Not really. I think we still have a lot of nonsense to to get of our systems. I think it was, what, issue four? Issue four or five, where I'd written a five-panel page. Oh, yes. Four. <laughs> I was going, Peta, just turns it into this, one of the best pages ever, but it's 13 panels. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all of a sudden, like, I'm like, I get the lettering pass, like, you know, and it's like, oh, we need this back right away. And I'm just like, Ah, crap. I got to go back and write like 13 panels worth of dialogue <laughs> and sound effects to, uh, because Pera. <laughs> like, That's teamwork, I, though. He, oh, I know. It's like he, he had to go and make it look really, really good. And now I have to go back and like make it make sense. <laughs> I think they, they shut the series at the right moment because we were starting to get too crazy with the sound effects. <laughs> yeah, got, yeah, it was. It, on, yeah, honestly, it probably was the sound effects that uh, we, <laughs> we 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 kind of started just like completely going off the train uh, tracks with with ours, our onomatopoeia that you and I got to the point where we were uh, once again scheming behind everyone's back, where uh, Pera is like. Okay, like, I'd send the script in. He's like, what's the sound of, like, someone getting punched in the chest? And I was like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, like, on the show, we give awards out for, like, 
a moment or something in the books. And I, I can remember at least twice where I picked a sound effect to give an award to from this book because <laughs> like they just always stood out to me. Yeah. Thinking about just how wonderful the two of you are and how bonkers and uh, <laughs> just like conspiratorial you are. Was working together the first time you had met or were you had you, had you known each other prior to coming on to Spider-Woman? No, uh, I didn't even know who the artist would be until after I'd sent in that very first script. And that very first script, which basically opened with, okay, so I need you to draw a boat filled with uh, teenagers dressed as every character in the Marvel Universe. (laughs) And then later, uh, a helicopter will be exploded. And so the fact that Peta didn't immediately just like chuck the script out of the window and like go back to being a PE teacher. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, that, that was, uh, that was amazing. And then, and then he just completely killed on it. It was amazing. I'm going to cry. Oh, <laughs> not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've always been like in Carla, we talked about this when we were when we talked about Bendis's Spider Woman, but like I've always been a huge Spider Woman fan. And I remember like previous to this, like we had what was it? Uh Dennis Hopeless Helms mm-hmm. and Javier Art. Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah which was Javier fantastic. Rodriguez. And I remember mm-hmm. being like so bummed to see that like the motorcycle jacket go away. And I was like, who are these people jumping on this book? Like I've never read it. <laughs> and I'll never forget, like, you guys just won me over in like a single issue where I was like, I'm in. And like it has easily become like my favorite Spider Woman. Like when I think of Spider Woman, like it's this. Oh, thank now. you. Oh, thank well, you. Well, yeah. it's all good except for the Roger of it all. Oh yeah, we got a Roger lover over here. Wow. Unlike uh, uh, unlike Jessica Drew. <laughs> wow. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> Remember that we didn't get to do to Roger as much as we wanted to. So yeah. be happy with yeah. that. Let's shift gears a little bit. We'll come back to, we'll talk about Spider-X, of course, but uh, this is one of our reading clubs and it's, we're not talking about Spider-Woman necessarily. We are talking about Marvel Team-Up, which is, uh, who who chose this and, and tell us why? Um, so first, I, I'm going to tell something just so you guys can see how much of an idiot I am. Great. So <laughs> when we were discussing which book to talk, I proposed, uh, Marvel Team Up because I remember enjoying it. I read it years ago. So I started reading yesterday in Spain. It was collected in two volumes. Like mm. I've got it here. Mm-hmm. Ah. But I somehow started reading number two. <laughs> and I didn't realize until 30 minutes before recording <laughs> where, I, where I read a caption like Titanus, see issue one and like, what? What? Issue one? I don't remember and then I realized and I read in half an hour, I read the six issues we were supposed to think about now. Peta, can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to choose this one? Because we, we kind of went through a couple different options and this was like the, yeah. the one that you finally landed on. I didn't remember exactly what happened, but I remember liking it a lot and, and now that I've read it again, Kirkman's way of, of writing, he just nails the, the character. In mm-hmm. volume two, where he meets uh, Invincible, which is another series that <laughs> I love, and it's yeah. heavily inspired by, by the first Spider-Man comics, you can see his love for Spider-Man. 
when you see Invincible, that's his creation with Spider-Man and the way the chemistry between them works. He knows them perfectly. And also he's a very uh, logical writer. He's sort of the, the anti-Carla. <laughs> <laughs> which is all gut. <laughs> logic, which I love, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a, like a different uh, writing style that works perfectly for the kind of story he he tells. What I like about it is this series, like this run specifically, is the type of thing that I love reading in comics and I love writing in comics. And that is leaving the little trail of breadcrumbs throughout the entire story that's going to lead up to something bigger. And... Mm -hmm. To me, that's one of the greatest strengths of comics. Like, like you can kind of do that in TV shows. You can't do it really too much in movies. <clears throat> and you can sort of do it in books. But I think it works best in comics where each issue will just have, like, the one page with Titanus. And, like, yeah. so everything just starts building up to a greater story. And it does it so well in this. I think that's one of my favorite parts about it. Also, you can you can pick any issue you want, and 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 you like it if you haven't read the the previous ones. Everything yeah. is sort of self-contained, but at the same time, he's leaving all those breadcrumbs that show show up so late in the series that you don't realize you missed the first volume when you were reading. Again, like yeah, because that's the stuff that makes you want to go back and reread it. That's yeah. Like I mean, I was I was trying to do that with our Spider Woman of leaving those little breadcrumbs so people who go back are like, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. It makes you want to go back and reread it, you know, because it only took you three minutes the first time. <laughs> and also, it's I very... think you, you and, and Kirkman share one, one thing, that you guys play to the strengths of the artists you're working with. I think what you're saying about leaving the breadcrumbs and sort of like, letting things breathe and, and mm -hmm. play out over time, I think is such a great classic Marvel feel. And that's why it, it, yeah. it works in that way. I think that that's so good. And what you're talking about, Pere, is is so true. Like Scott Collins he does such great detail, especially at this point in his career. He's so beautifully tight and the detail is really so like is, is everywhere, especially on that opening splash of the oh, first yeah. issue. You've mm -hmm. got Wolverine webbed up with his hands his knuckles at his forehead so he can't pop his claws. It's just, you've got the cityscape behind him. It's got beautiful colors in here by Studio F. It's It all comes together and it's just, it's such a great first page. And then you flip it and has one of my favorite Spider-Man things is Spider-Man upside down eating donuts. It is a thing that Todd <laughs> McFarlane drew that I loved as a kid and seeing it, seeing it again here, I was like, that is just such a, a joyful New York Spider-Man moment. It made me mm -hmm. so happy to see that. These kind of cutaway things or these breadcrumbs, like you're talking yeah. about, like a good example of this also is an issue too, where you see the, in the middle of the fight where Wolverine and Spidey are fighting the, the golden child, Spider-Man at the end of the, that page says like, hey, like, hold on, let me, let me think of something. And then the, the following page is like a random doom page. And you're just like, what is this? Like, yeah, and all yeah. it is is just Dr. Doom's like standing up and being like, Richard's. And you're just like, oh, oh, okay. Like that came and out of then, nowhere. And then next issue, you realize that wasn't exactly. Doom. 
No, yeah, exactly. You want to go back and you want to like complete like the puzzle pieces. But the other thing I think that Kirkman does so well here is that he uses those moments to kind of show the passage of time. Yeah, and and then when Spider-Man and uh, Paul end up back at that house, like it's a, oh. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what he was doing. That's what, Mm -hmm. oh, that's why Wolverine was there. And you feel so excited because all of a sudden you feel smart because it's like, oh, I just figured out a mystery that Mm -hmm. I didn't even know existed. And that's brilliant writing because you're making the reader think they figured something out that you actually wrote deliberately. (laughs) For me, that's the difference between a, a, a good writer and an excellent writer. That a good writer shows you how smart he is, and an excellent writer makes you believe that you're the smart one. And Kirkman does that uh, perfectly because he he Absolutely. gives a lot of information without being too specific. You feel the 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 passing of time without him saying anything. So right, it may go unnoticed for for some uh, readers, but it's the toughest thing to to get. I'm just currently flipping through issue two and the issue two starts with like a splash of like Nova just flying through New York and you're like, what is this? Like Nova wasn't in the last issue. Like, what is this? And it's only just to set up a a joke that like Wolverine cracks on the next page where he's like, yeah, like, why are you staring at me? I'm wearing a superhero costume. Like you act like you don't see Darkhawk and like Speedball every time you're in New York City. Like, come on now. Kirkman just really nails Spidey's voice of... Like, it's a really good Spider-Man. The the one that is just kind of like, why does no one listen to me? Like, he's mm-hmm. just constantly talking in the background and people are just ignoring. Like, even Captain America is like, no, I don't hate you. I just yeah. find, I find you kind of annoying, though, to be honest. <laughs> I enjoy those, those little uh, beats where he's in the school and the other teacher is hitting on him. Oh, my God. And that when, was so the- awkward. And when the students make fun of him, that's where you get to see the the real Peter and, and his his reactions are spot on. Like when yeah. the other teachers tell him how hot he is his wife <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm lucky. So it's it's on character, completely on character. One of the fun things I, I enjoyed is the non-essential, just superfluous little cameos and different things like Nova flying by moon Knight swinging by mm-hmm. and it like re-energizing that feeling of the Marvel universe is just this like roiling thing that our stories all take place in. And, and as our camera shoots over here and whoop, this guy goes by it's that feeling of like we were, we were having a conversation recently, Jasmine and I about like the world outside your window and it, it sort of works both ways. It's like, we have to feel like we are, part of the Marvel universe, but the Marvel universe also needs to feel like it's part of its greater tapestry. And I think this achieves that in really fun ways and subtle ways. I feel like all of the stories that are set, especially like in New York and, you know, like, especially like, you know, with the Spider-Man stories, like that does tie all in together and like really build, you know, the, the rich tapestry that is the Marvel universe. Uh, like you said, um, and it's fun because we've got all these little toys in the toy box that we can pop up at any time. 
and we get a whole wide variety of characters. I love alternate mm-hmm. reality versions. So that the, the doom y'all talked about that character bringing in, you know, this X 23 and like the very specific time frame for X 23 yeah. when she was wearing the Fang costume, which is like, I don't know that it was going on for like three months or it felt like yeah. in, in, in it was total. so short. It's so short. Um, That's a good, it was a great costume. Though. It's like, so that, good. I love that. That Fang character, the Shi'ar characters is, uh, is fun. So I'm glad that they use this for that little while, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's neat just to see the breadth of everything that gets to play into the storyline. It was fun because there were just enough hints at what was going on yes. in whatever universe it was. Like we've got, you know, I mean, saying, oh, we've got jerk Tony Stark doesn't really narrow it down, but we've got jerk Tony Stark from a, a different timeline, a different universe. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I, I love Natasha. It's like, and I killed you. You know, it's like, now I need <laughs> yeah. to do it again. Uh, you know, it's like, Steve, like, I missed you so much. Uh, Reed, you are always a jerk. And so you kind of get like these hints at what this other world you know, may have looked like, but also without, like the, you know, the major threat that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he's aware of. He's like, oh, this is before Titanos' like attack, like or the war of Tat- yeah. Titanos. And you're like, what does he know that I don't know? Like that's the brilliant part because he he does it on the last three or four pages of of the issue, mm-hmm. so he's setting you up for the next six issues or something. I think yeah, yeah. Last- so you were talking about like what happened in Tony's like alternate reality, like how Kirkman kind of just sprinkles that across. But like in, in going back to that suit that X23 was wearing, like you also get moments of what's happening in the universe, like the Marvel universe at the time, like Mar- or Avengers Disassembled gets mentioned. Astonishing X-Men gets mentioned. You get all these sprinkles where like you're like, oh, like I know exactly where in the timeline this takes place. I mean, reading it now, but I can only imagine it would be fun then. In the next volume, uh, the the new Avengers show up. So, yeah, that's right. You get the the, the sense of when everything was written. And what else is going on in the Marvel Universe is, of course, Spider-Rex. Some Marvel Universe. Uh, Spider-Rex is wild. I... The fact that this exists makes me so happy from a comic. Um, But so Spider-X, brand new character to the Marvel stories, first appeared in the recent Edge of Spider-Verse issue. Um, How how did this come together? I love spiders. I love dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs punching possibly other dinosaurs. Uh, They asked, uh, like would you like to uh, do a spider Rex story? And, uh, and I was like, yeah, uh, can I have Peta on it? And they're like, he's too busy. I go, can I have Peta on it? And like, he, <laughs> he's really busy right now. He's doing amazing work on iron cat. I go, I know. Can I have Peta on it? Uh, <laughs> I, I can do it if, if Peta can do it. And because we, we need to draw dinosaurs together and spider cat dinosaurs two. together. Cat two. Uh, we have a conversation. And I'm like, what are you doing now? <laughs> Something about a T-Rex and Spider-Man. And it took me like 30 seconds to email <laughs> our editor, Nick. Like, hey, can I be on that? <laughs> yeah. I- Carla, what's your, what was your reaction when you see the page in your inbox of the panel where Spider-Rex is thwipping? Because that one, I lost it. The first time I looked I at that, it. I was like, those tiny little arms... The, the web's coming there. And then the, just that little, that thwip right there. I was like, 
Beautiful. Did you notice, <laughs> did you notice something on the twip sound effect? It's the <laughs> Jurassic Park font. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I had fun with that panel too. Well, and well, then the the actual swinging through the the jungle forest <laughs> yeah. is. It's such a beautiful visual. No, Pata just drew the hell out of it. It was amazing. It was everything I could have dreamed of. But uh, I, because it's Carla, there was a very uh, darker version (laughs) and a darker (laughs) ending that uh, darker than the ending that's in here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. (laughs) My original script was uh, for her to have woken up uh, having accidentally eaten uh, Uncle Baden in his sleep. Oh my god. Like, he had a dream about eating jelly donuts. Don't ask why there were jelly donuts in the Mesocere uh, <laughs> period. Uh, I would have made it work. That was kiboshed quite vehemently <laughs> by by poor, long-suffering Nick Lowe, uh, because he's like, this is going to be for kids. I go, the kids I know love dinosaurs eating people and other dinosaurs. Like, the only way we could make this more popular is if Spider-Rex, like, ate someone and then, like, pooped them out. Like, they would find that <laughs> comedy gold. Just for the record, my son preferred the, the Nick ver- Nick's version. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'm really happy with, with what we got to do. Like, I, I think we got a lot of fun and a lot of history into five pages. And I'm I'm pretty delighted with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, just such great acting. Kind of yeah. on, you know, like that the shot of Tur like crying and so sad. And then the next <laughs> panel of Aranya. It's it's something I always find when, when I work with, with Carla, that every page or, or every few pages, there's a huge challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Having to make the dinosaurs act, it, it was a tough one. So when when I'm challenged to do something that, I don't think I'm capable or that's going to be hard for me. Then I try harder. And then most of the times the results are better. So I think that's why we work so well together because I, I don't have time to get bored with Carla. Every, every page, there's a new thing that I have to think like, how am I going to do this? And trying to figure out makes me grow. There's a, a boat that's starting right next to me. So you guys should talk really quickly while I mute that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think that's a good point for us to wrap up. I'm waiting for the next uh, collaboration between the two of you Please. and seeing what other madness you unleash upon the Marvel universe is. Uh, it's well, going to be great. Well, whatever it is, uh, I'm sure it will be absolutely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> As it should be. Yes. I would say big thanks to Carla and Pere, but you know what? They're menaces. No thanks to them. All right, we got to wrap it up. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos and Yasmin Estrada. Brad Barton is Pull List Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio. Make sure to email us over at pullist at marvel.com. You can also reach us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag Marvel's Pull List and OK to Read Pull List. Uh, make sure to rate and subscribe. Give us those five stars because we love you and you love us. Um, and tell a friend about the show. 
Hell yeah. Of course, for more information and full quote of the week contest rules, go to marvel.com slash pull list quote rules. Terms and conditions apply. Open to U.S. residents 18 and up. Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents 18 plus only. Terms apply. Visit marvel.com slash insider to join or sign in to answer the Marvel's pull list quote of the week. Do it, you goobers. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.